0: What would you do if your father′s murderer was being treated in the hospital just meters away from you? For most people around the world, October 13th, 2015 was just an ordinary day. But for Micah, Lakin Avni, it was one of the worst days of his life. His father Richard was seriously wounded in a terror attack in Jerusalem, and he passed away just a few days later in a hospital bed near one of his attackers. Yet Micah just isn't blaming his father′s assailants for the murder. He′s now going after Facebook for failing to curb online incitement. Micah is here in the studio with us today to tell us more. Thanks for coming in.
1: Thank you for having me, Natasha.
0: So, can you first tell us a little bit about your father?
1: You know, my father, uh, he was a kind, gentle person. He, he was an educator, an elementary school principal, a grandfather of six. Uh, he dedicated his life to uh, education of children and to coexistence. Uh, in the United States, before we moved to Israel, um, at, in his student days, he marched with uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he was a leader in school integration as an elementary school principal, integrating a suburban elementary school. Uh, he set up an integrated summer camp. And uh, in the mid '80s, our family moved to Israel, um, and he became very involved um, in coexistence. Uh, he was a humanist at, uh, at his core. Um, he, he and my mother set up an English language as a second English as a second language school. Uh, with Jewish, Christian and Muslim students um, and, and he was just a good, kind-hearted person.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, this tragic event happened. What do you remember from the day that your father was attacked?
1: You know, it, it really was it was, the, it was the most horrific day of my life. Um, I was sitting in a meeting in Tel Aviv uh, and I got a phone call from my mother. She said, uh, there's been this attack in Jerusalem and I think your father was in the area and I've been calling him for 10 minutes and he hasn't answered the phone. Um, And I knew immediately, I was in a meeting with 15 people and I just stepped up and walked out and got in the car to Jerusalem, started calling the hospitals on the way. Um, My my father was the kind of person who was very neurotic. Anytime there would be a terror attack anywhere in the world, he would immediately call to let us know that everything was okay. Um, And you know, on on my drive from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, I found out that he was in uh, Hadassah hospital. And I drove there Um, and uh, it was horrible. We arrived, he had been uh, shot in the head. Um, After falling to the ground, uh, he was stabbed multiple times by the terrorist, in the head, in the face, in the stomach. Uh, All of his internal organs were severed. Um, I I was met at the hospital by uh, an Arab nurse whose uh, children were both students of my father's, and she was crying. She said I was at his house a week ago, uh, and she told me about the situation. Um, He spent two weeks in intensive care in the hospital. Uh, During those two weeks, he was unconscious the entire time. The medical staff there was incredible, Jewish and Arab doctors working together trying to save him. Um, You know, and our whole family spent two weeks uh, beside his bed holding his hand.
0: Um, So, you know, I wanted to ask you about that experience because I actually understand that in the hospital, your father was being treated just meters away from one of his attackers. What was that experience like to know that the person who injured him was there in the same hospital?
1: You know, it was horrible. I mean, it was probably the most terrible emotional uh, uh, experience a person could imagine. I stood there holding my father's hand and I, and I watched uh, his attacker regain consciousness. Um, I'm proud to live in a country where uh, you know, we treat everybody equally and when medical staff reach the scene, they don't know who's an attacker, who's a victim. And even if they do, they, they, they brought everybody to the hospital, gave everybody treatment. Then, um, you know, our system and our hospitals saved his life. That attacker, and that was horrible for me to watch as, as an individual. But I'm glad that that's the way that our country behaves, and I'm I'm proud of that. Um, and he'll be tried in a court of law here, and you know, spend the rest of his life in prison, which he should. Um,
0: social media played a large part in this attack, especially because of the online incitement prior to it. And you know, now you're actually going after that incitement. What can you tell us about your plan to stop online social media incitement?
1: Well, I'll tell you. You know. While we sat next to my father in the hospital during those two weeks, we, we had a lot of time to think and try to analyze what was going on. And, and, I, and I asked myself over and over again, how, how could it be? How, how could somebody just get on a bus and start shooting innocent retirees in the head and stabbing them, and when the knife broke, they started strangling some of the people? I mean, it's just horrific, brutal behavior. What, what could bring two 20-year-olds to do something like this? Um, and I started researching and, and looking at the spread of terror. And I mean, if you, if you go to, say, Wikipedia and you type in the words Islamic terror attacks, what you'll see over the past 20 years is an almost exponential increase of terror and spread around the world. It's not just here in Israel, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and, and terror needs motivation. People don't, don't just get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go stab somebody or shoot them. They, they, they have to be motivated and incited to do that. And I started researching this online, and uh, you know, this, was, this was already five months ago almost, and, and I found thousands and thousands and thousands of videos and Facebook posts and, and YouTube videos uh, inciting children, inciting teenagers, inciting people to go out and stab Jews, to go out and attack Westerners. And, and that's just in English. And then I started researching what goes on in Arabic and you know, with the help of people who speak Arabic and translators, and it was just mind-boggling, it was just a, a free-for-all of incitement. Um, and you see that you know, a kid sits at home and all day long watches this, and, and at a certain point that affects their mind. Um, and then I got to think about how do we stop this because it's really getting out of control. I mean, until somebody is personally impacted like we were, you don't fully understand the gravity of uh, what's going on and, and I hope that most people never will. But if you look at the numbers, the growth of, of terror is almost exponential, it's mind-boggling. Um, and, and, and all of this is facilitated by social media. It's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and similar social media companies that allow people to sit at home. Uh, and without having to take any responsibility, post movies, post uh, uh, documents, whatever they want, insightful materials, uh, telling people to go out and kill. It, just in the, in the case of my father, um, one of the terrorists uh, put up a, a Facebook post before he went out and did the act, calling on people to become martyrs and go out and kill Jews. Uh, he then, a- after uh, murdering my father, the next day, uh, a Facebook page went up for this terrorist uh... glorifying what he did tens of videos about the act start appearing on the internet the hamas student union put up a uh, reenactment of the bus attack two days later which went completely uh... viral and, and this shows goes on and on and i realized that if we can't stop this incitement if we if we can't slow it down then the terror is just going to continue to increase
0: you filed a lawsuit against facebook what do you hope the outcome of the lawsuit will be
1: okay so so what we saw is that basically facebook youtube and twitter are the facilitators of this incitement. Without them, people couldn't get this crazy message across to millions of people. In other words, and they're
0: the platform they're, that people can upload these videos and this insightful e- exactly, content Exactly,
1: exactly. But but they take no responsibility for what's being published on their platform. Uh, and so what we're calling for and what we're demanding, and I, and I wrote an op-ed in the New York Times in November, and, and I've been talking about this and writing about it a lot over the past few months, Uh, is that these companies need to take responsibility to self-regulate. They need to proactively monitor the things that are being posted. Obviously there's issues of free speech and I'm in no way saying we should curtail free speech but when somebody says to a child uh, in a children's program which is being posted on YouTube go out take a sword or take a knife and stab Jewish people in the street just because they're Jewish and go out and kill them and here's instructions about how to do it I might mean, have found horrific instructional videos of how to cut people open and where the best places to stab are just terrible stuff that that shouldn't be there and, and I'm calling on these companies to take responsibility uh, to basically monitor that on their own so we're doing that in a couple ways. we filed a lawsuit against Facebook Uh, I'm aware that there's a widow of an American soldier who was killed by terrorists in Jordan who's filed a lawsuit against Twitter. Um, I know there are other lawsuits uh, on their way that this will hopefully put some pressure on them. We're we're asking for an order for Facebook to proactively monitor what's going on. We're not looking for any kind of damages or anything like that, but just for them to behave properly and ethically. Um, I've been lobbying regulators in Israel and the United States uh, to initiate regulation that would force these companies uh, to behave ethically if they're not able to go out and do it on their own.
0: What do you think your father would say if he heard about this lawsuit that you were filing, the work you were doing against social media incitement?
1: You know, you know, I'm, I'm sure my father uh, would be proud, and it's something that he would be involved in uh, uh, himself if, if uh, he were still with us today. Uh, because he, he believed that the best way to influence people was uh, through love, through understanding, respect, appreciation, and that, that's what he taught children, that's what he wrote about in, his, in his book. Um, about education but he also taught me as a child if if you don't have something uh, positive to say then just don't say it and I mean this is the extreme example of that this incitement it's something that needs to be stopped it's not uh, acceptable by any moral standard and and what people can do is go out and they can petition they can talk about this they can write to their legislators about it they can write in papers about it and they can demand that these uh, social media companies who are run by good, decent people, but at the end of the day, they're businesses that are just looking at their bottom line. They can demand that they begin to uh, act ethically uh, and regulate the kind of materials that are posted.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming in. It's, it's really wonderful to see the work that you're doing, and hopefully everybody remembers uh, your father and, and, and the great work that he did. He sounds like an incredible man. And again, thanks so much for coming in. Thank
1: you for having me.